You're listening to the Pursuit of Marriage podcast, the marriage ministry of Joe and Carrie Vivian. It's the act of following with a view to reach, accomplish, or obtain. Their heart and passion is for biblical marriages to be strengthened through God and God alone, and to encourage and equip parents so as to raise them up as children who know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're all about, simple obedience to Him. Now enjoy. Hi, Carrie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Well, welcome to the Pursuit of Marriage podcast. I'm Joe Vivian. And I'm Carrie Vivian. And we're excited to continue to share with each of you what it means to have a biblical intimacy in your marriage. So here we go, you guys. Let's buckle up. Uh, Last week, we spoke on the definition of intimacy. Uh, So let's refresh with that definition. Intimacy is defined. Now, get this, everyone. Intimacy is defined as a state of a close, transparent, and genuine relationship. It is marked by a warm, genuine friendship developed through long association and transparent communication. We also spoke of the symbol of intimacy in a marriage, the tripod and its three legs, emotional, physical, and spiritual. All three of these legs must be in contact with the foundation of your marriage Your foundation, of course, will change through the seasons of your marriage, but each leg must adapt in length and strength during those seasons. What what do you mean by they have to adapt? The emotional, the physical, and the spiritual. I mean, what could happen in the seasons of your marriage throughout the years? Uh, Children, job change, that kind of health. Carrie and I also talk about markers in our lives, and there's certain markers that we can look back on and saying that's when there's a pivotal change in our marriage. Um, and it might be just those markers that are going on. So that's what we're going to be talking about, you guys. So in this message, we're going to focus on the first leg of intimacy. As we were talking about these three legs, emotional, physical, and spiritual, we're going to focus in on the first leg of intimacy, and that's emotional intimacy. Um, But the key thing is, if, if we're to be emotionally intimate with our spouse, we must first be emotionally intimate with Christ. And that's the key to all of this intimacy is it's first with Christ and it overflows into your marriage. Is that still that picture that we always talk about, that holiness over happiness? Of course, before I could even think of strengthening my emotional leg towards Joe, I need to focus on my emotional intimacy with Christ himself. And the same is true for Joe. Definitely. I know that his emotional connection towards me is genuine when I see him connected emotionally to Christ first. It gives me trust in our marriage. Um, and we'll be looking at Scripture, so if you'd like to join us in reading of Scripture during this podcast, please go ahead and grab your Bible. And, and go ahead and do that. That's Trust is huge. And this is probably, wouldn't you say this is one of the first key elements of trust in a marriage, Carrie? Yes. Emotionally, emotionally being connected and stuff. So that concept, seeking Christ first before our spouse, that's, that sometimes blows people's mind um, initially. Because Hollywood always has this whole picture of happily ever after and that puts on this false sense. Uh, we've always said that, please understand, no lawsuits out here, but you know, Disney needs to really be shaken up because we want to see what Prince Charming and Cinderella looks like three years into their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of seeking Christ first and having to seek holiness uh, took over a decade. Wouldn't you say a decade or how many years would you say for us to grasp this whole concept? Maybe 17 to 20 years. (laughs) 17. We've been married, what, 29 years, coming up on 29. So it's just for it to grasp that. However, I will tell you, and Carrie, once you agree that that is the foundation of our marriage? Yes. 
Definitely. Uh, seek His holiness first, then allow that to overflow into your marriage. Okay, so let's get started. You ready, Carrie? Ready. All right, who is reading first? Um, oh, we didn't talk about this. Okay, I'll, I'll take the first run. You can get the second. Deal? Yeah. Okay. Open your Bibles, everyone, to Psalm 42. We're going to read through Psalm 42 and 43 as a whole. And I know you're probably like, wow, but you'll understand when we go through it together. <clears throat> so I want you to read through this, understand this. So here we start off in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks, and the sound of a great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of Jordan, the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the, the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. read through Psalms 42 and 43, and they are so full of emotion. Now, if you're following along, you guys, as, as, as Carrie and I were studying this, and, and we go through and we look at this picture of emotional intimacy with Christ, and then we read through Psalms 42 and 43, we notice eight changes of emotions throughout. It, it's like a roller coaster ride, where it goes up and down and up and down, and, and it's going. And so we need to ask this question, am I emotionally intimate with Christ? Well, to answer your question, there are three facets that we need to look at. First, are you experiencing emotional inconsistency? Do you fly off the handle? Do you have triggers um, of that an emotion that you have that is not a proportionate to the problem? Are you unable to cry, weep when you should, laugh and rejoice when you should? Your emotions do not line up, nor are they consistent towards life. So the first one... Are you experiencing emotional inconsistency? Next, do you lack clarity? Are there a lot of questions? You're indecisive, you're undecided, you're confused. 
Well, God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of clarity. And then another last of the facets is their disparity of your character. What we see of ourselves and what others see do not line up. Who we are is who we are when we're alone. However, we so often will choose to believe what others say about us. Those are great facets. So right off the bat, you experience, you're experiencing emotional inconsistency. Um, and I want us to, as we're listening to this, think about that. Are we emotionally inconsistent? Um, your emotions, and you heard Carrie say that your emotions are not proportionate to the problem. And I'd say that's something that I've always struggled with in, in our marriage. Wouldn't you agree that I become emotionally inconsistent, that I'll, if I'm tired, if I'm irritable, uh, if I've had a long day, if I don't feel well, yeah. have, I, have I been the best <laughs> example of that? Mm. Yes. Oh, thanks. It's like that laugh. Um, so your emotions don't line up with you. And you heard the second one that Carrie said, do you lack clarity? Do you, do you question everything's going on. Uh, and that's, you know, those indecisive decisions. And, and Carrie brought up a great point uh, on God, that God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of clarity. And that's so important, you guys, when you're going through. We, Carrie and I, have witnessed so many couples, as well as in our own marriage, where we're indecisive in our decisions because we're going, we're going by our feelings, not truly where God is. And then is there a disparity of your character? And I think that's one of the biggest ones right there. Is what people see in public the same thing that, that God sees in private? You know, do you put on a facade? And we've seen that so many times. So that's where we need to start. Are we emotionally intimate? And if we say yes, then that leads us to our next key questions. How is your emotional intimacy with Christ? Because if you walk through all that, then your next, your next question is, how is your emotional intimacy with Christ? In other words, how is your consistency with God? How is your clarity with God? And how are you handling disparity in your life? But better yet, how are you around your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your coworkers? Think about that. How do people see you? And how are you all by yourself, no one else around? Consistent, clear, and precise with God? Or again, do you just put on this facade? And that's, that's a bad place to be. So I guess then for many, the question is, how do we recover or re- redeem back and build our emotional intimacy with Christ? That's a great question. Well, let's look at the two building blocks to strengthen that leg on the tripod, that emotional leg. The first block, we need to question our heart, question our soul, and ask why. So if we go back, let's read Psalms 42, verse 5 and 11, and Psalms 43, 5. In the New Living Translation, it reads, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? In the New American Standard Bible, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Why are you in despair, O my soul, soul, and why are you disturbed within me? There's a pattern, isn't there? (laughs) Yes. And then, of course, my favorite from the message. Why are you down in the dumpster, soul? Why are you crying the blues? 
Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Crack me up. You always have to get in the message, don't you? Yep. Yep. There, there needs to be a, a note of caution. Culture teaches us that once we feel a certain way, we must not question it, but instead allow that feeling to become our new norm of our soul. That is wrong. Think about it. You hurt my feelings is a cardinal sin. Your feelings are not your compass. Don't allow your feelings to direct where your soul goes. So the question then is, and we've had this other people ask us, well, then what is my compass? Well, that's it. That's simple. Instead of allowing your feelings to be the new compass direction, question your feelings. Ask why. But ask yourself this. This is a key question. What does God's Word say about my feelings? Go to His Word. Study His Word. Acknowledging and verbalizing how you feel is not the problem. It's when we purposely choose to make our feelings our compass. When our feelings become our identifying factor of truth. When we abandon the focus on God's Word for our own feelings. And, and that happens too often than not. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Definitely. So question your feelings and filtering it through God's Word. God's truth must become a constant in your life. Question your feelings and filter it through God's Word. So the question is... When was the last time you questioned your feelings or questioned whether they were valid or not? <laughs> that's that's the, the point right there. You know, when we read in, in Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane, did you know that Gethsemane means to press or to cause pressure? In that passage, we read that Jesus questioned his feelings. And I know that some people are like, no, he is God. No, he questioned it. Because in Mark 14, 32 through 36, it says that he was very distressed and troubled, and he asked, remove this cup from me. But you know what? When he questioned his feelings, Jesus instead focused on what God wanted, not his feelings. Yet not what I will, but what you will, Lord. <clears throat> he knew who was in charge. He knew who he needed to focus on. Many times you'll find yourselves at a crossroad of your feelings and God's will. And at that crossroad, ask yourself, what direction will I choose? And I promise you, each time you choose to follow God's will, you will continue to produce a deeper emotional intimacy with Christ. Filter it through His Word. Here's our second block to strengthen that emotional leg on the tripod, our emotional intimacy with Christ. Inform your heart. Inform your soul. Be confident in your hope in God. We are daily battling perception and truth. So we need to ask ourselves. What's informing my soul? What are you taking in? How is it distorting your perception and truth of the gospel? What are you digesting? What is being taken into your soul that is causing atrophy in your relationship with Christ? What are you listening to? What is weakening your soul? Is that gossip or drama? Look at it this way. If allowed to, your soul will become a bottom feeder. Oof. When you bottom feed, your emotional intimacy with Christ will atrophy, dwindle, and weaken. So let's continue with verses 5, 11, and 5 again, but this time finish them. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God, NLT. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence in ASB. 
Why are you down in the dumpster, soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God, the message. So inform your heart. Inform your soul on the truth. We have hope in God. Praise Him again. He is our God. He is our Savior. Jesus Christ is real and intimate. He is involved in your life. He's truth. He's not feelings or emotions. And truth is based solely on God's word, not the world. Own this statement for your life. Hope in nothing else but God. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Carrie. For those amazing two building blocks we need. Those are essential in our emotional intimacy with Christ. So in closing, let's recap what it means to have an emotional intimacy with Christ. Okay? Be consistent. Don't waver. Don't flop around. Seek clarity. God is not a God of confusion. Do not despair. Know your identity in Christ. Question your feelings. What does God's Word say about your emotions and your feelings? And inform your heart and soul. Have hope in God and continually praise Him. Husbands and wives, please, as as you listen to us and as you take this in, please make no mistake. All this points to fully relying on God's Word and journeying with Christ daily. Uh, We can't stress that enough. Everything we talked about, this points to you. Don't take what we shared and try to force-feed this (laughs) to your spouse. And, and what's one of the rules we have whenever we do a marriage retreat or even in our class? No elbow nudging. No elbow nudging. In other words, don't be nudging the elbow of your spouse saying, are you listening? Are you taking notes? Let me share this with you. This is about you and your own emotional intimacy with Christ. No one else. One-on-one with you and Christ. So we close this podcast with a biblical foundation of what it means to be emotionally intimate with Christ. So next week, we'll go deeper in our emotional intimacy with our spouse. Key points and scripture references will be in our show notes for you as well, so you guys can go back in there and and look deeper, go a little bit deeper in in scripture and study that. Because we can't be emotionally intimate with our spouse until we begin to be emotionally intimate with Christ. Absolutely. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast and leave us comments as to how you define intimacy in your marriage today. You can find out more about us and our marriage ministry, Pursuit of Marriage, at our webpage, PursuitofMarriage.com. All one word. And remember, Pursuit of Marriage, we've talked about this before, we're going to tell you again. It is a daily focus, hour by hour, minute by minute, view to reach, accomplish, and obtain what God intends for our marriages. And our prayer is that each of you as husband and wife will pursue Christ first in your marriage and thus His level overflow to your spouse and then your family. And don't forget... You always do this together. together. Okay, well, I'm Joe. I'm Carrie. Have a blessed week, you guys. Bye for now.